0: Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m. And you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, once again, good morning. It's good to be with you. And uh, I want to wish any dads here happy Father's Day. I know that uh, for some, this uh, time of Father's Day might be a difficult one. I know there are some um, who perhaps have recently lost their father, or maybe never even knew their dad or had a, a difficult or strained relationship with him. So I know this can be a day of mixed emotions. It's a day when some celebrate the dad that they've had, the dad that they've been, the dad that they long to be. When we think about our dads, many of us think about times we've been blessed with spending moments with them, days. We think about the gifts they've given us and we think about not just the physical gifts, but those intangible gifts of time that they've invested in us. They've given us the gift of time. As humans limited in our time on earth, we recognize that perhaps Our time is our most precious resource. And so it means a lot when someone chooses to invest their limited time in us. To spend time with us. To give us that gift of presence. Whether it's a father or a mother. Member of a connect group. A friend. Being present with someone matters deeply. And being present with someone is a way that we can be a blessing To those people around us whom God has placed in our midst. This is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 25. If you were here last week, you know that we began to open up this passage, this teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples when he told them that his followers, his sheep, would do certain things out of their love for Christ, and they would serve the people around them and end up blessing Jesus himself, whether they recognized it or not. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been taking a close look at the windows that are here in this sanctuary, the stained glass windows, to discover not only uh, the beauty that they present to us, but how they teach us lessons and truths from Scripture. Now, if you want to take a look at the back, you'll see that we have on the side two tall side or lancet windows, and last week we talked about how together as a pair these windows open up for us. This teaching of Jesus in Matthew 25. And last week we saw that the window on the left describes what Jesus is saying about his sheep being willing to be open-handed with their stuff, being willing to share their physical possessions, and specifically on that window represented as, as clothing and food. Listen to how the design description for the window on the right as you face the rear of the sanctuary opens up for us additional facets of Jesus' teaching in Matthew 25. The lancets at the rear wall portray acts of Christian mercy as described in Matthew 25. On the right window, a jug pours water over two sets of hands. Jesus said, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. The hands reach out in supplication and in welcome. Jesus said, I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. A chain of bondage trails through the window to represent, I was in prison, and you visited me. Colorful echinacea plants, or coneflowers, appear in the lower right. A Native American plant known for bolstering the immune system. Jesus said, I was sick, and you visited me. And so we see this this outpouring jug literally kind of spills over from the right side window to remind us of those acts of the sheep of Jesus where they are willing to share their stuff, here willing to share water, one of our most precious resources with those who need it. But we see the rest of the images from this window on the right represent a different kind of generosity, A different kind of open-handedness. A willingness to spend time with others. Because welcoming the stranger usually implies more than, than simply providing shelter for someone in need. Although that certainly can be part of that act of care. Because we know that to feel truly welcomed means that we're in the presence of someone who's glad to be with us someone who's happy to spend time with us. In fact, a stranger who is truly welcomed is no longer a stranger. Yesterday, we had the opportunity to celebrate the life of Elmer Dahl, someone who modeled de-strangering people one conversation at a time. Jesus tells his friends that at the time when all deeds are judged... His followers who visited those in prison and who sat at the bedsides of the sick, who offered comfort and care, will be told that they actually were demonstrating care and love for Jesus himself. This window reveals to us the beauty of time well spent, time lovingly invested, time spent with someone we know is created in the image of God, time spent with someone who physically represents Christ Himself among us. Time matters. Time is precious. And when it's invested in someone else, it makes a difference. This is what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he wrote the letter that was read earlier to the church in Thessalonica. Now, we have some backstory provided for us in Acts 17, where we read about Paul's time there. In Acts 17, we we hear that when Paul and his companions had passed through, Amphipolis, and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. And the account in Acts goes on to describe how Paul and his companions in Thessalonica were actually driven from the synagogue and from the city by Jewish leaders opposed to his teaching and, honestly, jealous of his impact. It's this church in Thessalonica to which Paul writes two letters we have in our Bibles as First and Second Thessalonians. And in his first letter, he writes to his friends describing the time he had spent with them. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives— Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So in this letter to his friends, Paul lays out his motives for the time he had spent among them. He says, we weren't there among you fishing for compliments. We weren't trying to suck up to anybody or butter anybody up with flattery. We really weren't looking for anything from you, Thessalonians, Paul writes. But we wanted to offer you precious gifts. We wanted to offer you the gift of the gospel, the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, instead of asserting spiritual authority over these new believers, he and his friends came among them with the humility of a child and with the loving care of a mother. Paul tells them, we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Paul and his friends shared the gospel and their lives they shared gifts of truth and time. They gave gifts of teaching and presence. Jesus tells his followers it matters when the people that are called by his name, his sheep who listen to his voice as the Good Shepherd, <clears throat> share their stuff, their physical possessions with those in need. And he goes on to say that it matters just as much when his sheep share their less tangible possessions. They're gifts of time and presence. When they spend time with someone who's going through a challenging season with those who are lonely, those who are outsiders, those who are imprisoned or sick or homebound. Each of us has 168 hours each week to spend some way. Whether someone's materially very rich, or incredibly poor, time is sort of the great equalizer. We all have that number, 168, in the time bank each week. Time is one of the most precious gifts we can possibly offer. Now, depending on who you are this morning or how you're wired, when you hear that, when you hear that we can offer the gift of time and presence, that might sound really encouraging and exciting to you. You might love the idea of being with people and spending time with them. You might recognize that you actually don't have many other resources to share, but, but you do have time. And so you're excited, you're delighted to share that gift of time and invest it in the people around you. Maybe you're an outgoing people person. Maybe you have this gut sense that, that time is a precious gift and it really does matter when you invest it in someone else. Maybe you're willing to admit that, that you're willing to be generous with your time, partly because... You don't want your stuff messed with. Now, other people this morning would say, okay, if it comes to spending my time with someone, that sounds like hard work. That doesn't necessarily sound fun. You think about spending time with someone, and it might sound, might sound awkward. You might wonder if it's really worthwhile, you might ask, well, well can't, we, can't we do something physical, tangible for someone? Can't, can't I write a check and make a donation? Can't we build something? But Jesus reminds us as his followers that it's a both-and situation, that we're called to give tangible gifts to meet physical needs of people, and we're called to spend time with those in need. In his book, The Deeply Formed Life, Pastor Rich Valotis writes, Christian mission is not just about activity. It's about being Christ for another person. A central part of our mission, he says, is the quality of our presence. Jesus tells us us as his followers that it all matters. The tangible stuff matters. The gifts of time matter as we spend time with someone recognizing in them the image of God and the presence of Christ himself. And so this morning, as we think about investing that gift of time, we might wonder, how can we be welcoming the stranger? How can we be on the lookout for those who seem to be on the outside looking in? Are there those people in our neighborhood that maybe we've simply never met? Are there those people who are new arrivals in our communities here in our state, here in our country, who have yet to have someone reach out to them with genuine care? What might the gift of time mean as we extend a hand to them? The chains on the window remind us of those in prison, those who literally can't spend time with us unless we go to them. Now, for some of you, I know this will be way outside your comfort zone, You wonder, well, how could we possibly do that? And over the years, the church has gotten creative about having presence in places of incarceration. I'm so impressed by the creative and innovative School of Restorative Arts degree program that North Park Theological Seminary, our denomination's seminary, offers at Stateville Correctional Center outside Joliet, Illinois. The program's website describes... North Park School of Restorative Arts offers a Master's of Arts in Christian Ministry and Restorative Arts, allowing free and incarcerated students to study together. This unique degree program is designed to prepare individuals for ministries of reconciliation, of restoration, and contexts susceptible to violence, and includes courses in trauma, race relations, nonviolent communication, conflict transformation, restorative practices, and transformational justice, all built on a foundation of Bible, theology, and history. In partnership with the Illinois Department of Corrections, this four-year degree is currently offered at Stateville Correctional Center with 80 incarcerated men and a first cohort of 20 women at Logan Correctional Center. So I love this creative model, this model that says we're not going to wait for someone to to do their time so they can come out and we can be with them. It says, we as the people of Christ hearing the voice of our shepherd go to those who are in prison. And this program allows both free and incarcerated students to get to know each other as classmates. It sounds a lot like something the Apostle Paul might say. We came to you and shared our training and our equipping and our very lives as well. I really enjoyed getting to study uh, Bethany's beautiful stained glass windows over, over these past few weeks, because I recognize that there are certain images there that I would have no idea what they mean unless I read the descriptions. So an example of that are these, uh, the flowers at the bottom right of this window, the blossoms of medicinal echinacea plants, meant to convey the words of Jesus, I was sick and you visited me. Now, we know that the pandemic has presented some serious challenges in this area of visiting those who are sick and homebound. At its height, we were unable to visit those whom we deeply and dearly longed to spend time with. Because we understand that often when someone is is deeply ill, it's that gift of time, sitting with that person, being physically present, that's the best gift that we can offer, There don't always need to be a lot of words in those situations. Our presence communicates our care, our empathy, our love. I don't in any way mean to to diminish or devalue their very important work, but I've known more than one hospital chaplain who's told me 90% of their job is simply showing up. Jesus said we show our love to him whenever we welcome the stranger, whenever we visit the prisoner and care for the sick, even those that we might consider or our society might consider to be among the least of these. And we all have opportunities to do things like this, to spend time with someone, to invest in them, to be present with them, to share the gift of our precious physical human time one minute at a time. One minute at a time we choose to lend a listening ear to someone going through a challenging situation. One minute at a time we lend sympathy to those who grieve. A minute at a time we spend time with those whom we are tutoring, mentoring, coaching, and teaching. We take a minute or two to offer a word of encouragement to someone having a bad day. And we invest over time the minutes it takes to build genuine, deep connections and loving friendships. When Paul was among his brothers and sisters in Thessalonica, of course he preached the gospel. They needed to hear it. But he also shared his life one minute at a time. And those minutes mattered. Those minutes demonstrated to his friends there that they mattered to him and to the kingdom. My prayer for us is that God would grow in us increasingly generous hearts, that we'd be open handed, not only with the physical gifts we've been given, but with this precious gift of time as well. That God would give us hearts so that we're more willing to, to spend that time, not just on ourselves, but with those around us, to do those one another things that Dave was talking about earlier. As we do so, we will find that God gives us joy, joy that comes from being open-handed, generous with our time, as we recognize that as we spend our time with others, we have been in the presence of Christ himself. Would you please join me in prayer? God of all time, God, beyond time, we ask this morning that you would give us eyes to see and minds to understand just how precious is the gift of time on earth that you've given us. God, give us hearts that are more inclined to be generous with those minutes. Hearts inclined to set aside our own priorities for a few minutes, a few hours, or perhaps a few days to focus on someone else. For our neighbor's good and for your glory. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.